Welcome to Root Words, a podcast that explores agriculture and cooking's role in connecting us to our landscape and our communities. I'm Stephen Abatel. Root Words is a collaboration between Vermont Farmers Food Center, Shrewsbury Agricultural Education and Arts Foundation, and many other community members. The project began in 2017 and was made possible by support from the National Endowment for the Humanities, as well as from this community. Throughout this podcast, you're going to be hearing stories from people around the Rutland County region in the heart of Vermont, a region rich in agriculture, family farms, a region that's a pastoral working landscape. These stories are going to be each little windows into what a regional food system really looks like on the community level. We're excited to introduce you to some passionate folks working with the land and with food and bringing communities together. So please pull up a chair and enjoy. While working on Root Words episode 14, Foraging, I came across Tina Pease, a forager, food photographer, and food stylist in the Mad River Valley. Tina addresses equity and justice in food systems through conversations she facilitates on her social media channels. These conversations center and uplift the voices of food sovereignty workers and create space for BIPOC leaders in food systems, land use, and health. On this episode of Root Words, we'll explore the importance of affinity spaces for BIPOC Vermonters while experiencing their foodways. We'll hear from Olivia Pena, founder of Vermont Relief Collective, a network by and for Black, Indigenous, and people of color advancing racial equity in land, environment, agriculture, and foodways. My name is Olivia Pena. Um, most many people know me as Liv. Um, I, I use she, her pronouns, and I currently live in South Burlington, Vermont. I am the founder and community organizer with the Vermont Relief Collective. And we'll reconnect with Tina Pease. Hi, so I'm Tina Pease, and I live in the Mad River Valley in Vermont, and I'm a food photographer and food stylist. And I moved up to Vermont a little over a year ago, um, from Boston. I'm, I'm really interested in nutrient-dense foods and um, our family's vegetarian and pescatarian. So um, learning new ways to, to use vegetables and herbs and fruit um, and learning a lot more of the lesser known ones has like pushed me into just different realms of like researching and learning about, you know, different regional cooking and different types of things that you can find that I mean, they're free to us. It's overwhelming, but like, it's very meditative for me because I'm connecting to each season more um, mindfully, I guess. For me, I so I'm Filipino American, I'm Asian American, and I don't know a lot of Asian Americans that, that forage, but I know they exist, but I, I don't personally know a lot of them. And I'm just starting to like, learn through like the BIPOC community here in Vermont, just different people that are into it. A lot of us are part of um, a collective called Vermont Relief Collective. I'm sure you've probably heard about it. Um, and it's for BIPOC people in Vermont that are all involved with food, agriculture, foraging, food industry work. Um, and so we have, you know, monthly meetings and online and different events um, to discuss and connect on those 
um, in those realms. So as I'm learning so much right now about Black, Indigenous, and people of color and my own connection to my Asian American culture and, you know, herbalism and things that I'm interested in in that realm. Um, I think just seeing what these BIPOC-led farms and organizations are doing to empower BIPOC people here, I think is just an incredible model for others to be able to follow in other states. And um, I, it's just been amazing to watch these things grow, um, these groups and just the support that we've received through it and the ability to talk about these things, like you said, without the gaze of colonizer, um, you know, white colonizer gaze. So it's just, it, it creates a safe space for, for people who are land stewards or people that are interested in food and land to connect on that level. And it's been really great for me just learning about our food ways and how that really connects us to ourselves and to nature and to our, family and our, our heritage. So I'm only in the past few years learning about my Filipino heritage and food ways. So for me, that's become really important, just learning from my mother and understanding how that is healing for um, BIPOC people. And it, it heals trauma, I think, and it, and it allows us to feel culturally validated and to, you know, see how our food ways and our lineage um, empowers us, I think is, has been really important for me. And we have events that allow us to share food from our cultures and, and to just share space together and, and connect um, with other BIPOC in Vermont because they're not, there's not a ton of BIPOC in Vermont and the people that are here really do try to get together and um, and help one another to to see that our liberation is possible through community. And I think community healing is a really important thing for me and for the community I've um, joined. And um, Vermont Relief Collective uh, allows people to share what's going on at their farms, on their own land, um, to share um, anything they're learning about their land or their farm. Um, so like I grow a small garden in my yard and um, that was like one of the main reasons I wanted to move up here was just to have the space and ability to do that and to learn from others around me. So just learning from the other people, like what, what grows when and what's going on in your garden and you know, these things allow us to not rely on government systems for food. And I think food sovereignty has become a really big thing for me. Um, these groups allow us to figure out ways that we can share our gardens, share our space, create urban farms like Conscious Homestead, like Susu Community Farm, where people can come together to own land and steward land. Um, that otherwise may not be available to them. And, you know, creating these fundraisers for these groups. And, you know, these are obviously um, times of change and insecurity for a lot of people and food insecurity and food sovereignty are just things that I think more people need to be aware of and aware of the ability each person has to grow their own food. And, um, 
and creating the spaces for us all to feel safe to do that, whether we have the money to own land or not. And I think that um, that's becoming possible through these groups like Vermont Relief Collective, SUSU, and Conscious Homestead. Tina is a member of Vermont Relief Collective. Beneath its four focus areas, land, environment, agriculture, and foodways, Relief practices three main initiatives, building community, sharing opportunities, and amplifying voices. This past November, I got a chance to connect with Olivia Pena, Vermont Relief's founder and community organizer, to learn about why she was inspired to launch the Relief Collective in Vermont. Uh, so I started Relief um, summer 2020. Um, I am someone who has worked in many spaces around the food system. I studied uh, food systems at the University of Vermont, uh, got two degrees in it. And just throughout my time of you know, working in different food system spaces, I was very pulled towards kind of the social side of food and the implications of um, kind of the current structure of the food system and the implications that it has on people. And so throughout my time working in food and learning about food, um, I'd often find that I was the only black person and person of color in a space, um, you know, like a food, like anything related to like food systems, agriculture, farming, et cetera. Um, and so I found that to be very isolating. And on top of that, I was starting to connect with many other folks of color who were involved in food or food systems or agriculture. And I was like, wait, I know you and I know this person and you two are doing such great work that would have so many powerful um, connections, but you don't know each other. And so I think between kind of the isolation that I experienced as well as some of the connections that I was making and wanted other folks to connect, that really inspired me to launch the Vermont Relief Collective. And from there, um, our community has blossomed into a network created by and for Black, Indigenous, and people of color in Vermont who are passionate about and involved in land, environment, agriculture, and food. Um, so I had a conversation recently with someone um, talking about the organization and they were like, oh, you're a re re relief organization. Um, and so sometimes folks will say relief, sometimes we'll say relief. Um, and so I realized that they understood the organization as, you know, this relief organization. Um, and I was like, well, you know, we're a little bit more, um, I would say like focus on self-determination than that, but we're not a re relief organization. That's our name. Uh, and it's an acronym. So RELIEF stands for Racial Equity and Land Environment Agriculture and Food. Um, and really this community is so critical and important in our state because, you know, nothing like it really existed before we launched. So we're a network solely comprised of BIPOC folks and really tapping in to our strengths, our knowledge, our experiences, and using that to support each other and really build on the incredible work and experiences and joy that exists in our community. Can I ask you to go a little bit um, deeper into those four focus areas? So what is what does racial equity look like in land, environment, agriculture, and foodways? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So in terms of those spaces, working towards racial equity looks like 
folks having the space and the means and all of the tools that they need to both thrive and enjoy their experiences in these spaces. So one of the key parts of relief is that we are an organization that is really focused on you know, not centering professionalism. And so certainly we have folks in our community who are <clears throat> entrepreneurs, who are farmers, um, who are researchers uh, by trade. And while those folks are certainly in our community, we also have folks kind of like myself who might not have like formal work at the, at the moment in, um, in these spaces, but more so, you know, might like to cook and, uh, enjoy eating or are casually, uh, you know, farming on their windowsill um, or, you know, just really like like livestock um, or hiking. And so um, it looks really broad for a lot of people. And so in terms of how, you know, racial equity shows up in those spaces, um, we don't really think of it in one specific way, but rather holistically and make sure that folks are, you know, working towards this idea of folks thriving and experiencing joy and, you know, getting to lead in and just even show up and, you know, have safe space in the four focus areas, which again, are land, environment, agriculture, and food. Okay, so what are um, what are some obstacles for folks uh, in the BIPOC community in Vermont when thinking about trying to to get a farm or garden business going off the ground? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot. Um, you know, sometimes it might be something like you know knowledge or not sure where to start or how to start, um, and it could also be you know financial barriers in terms of having um, you know, the financial backing to be able to afford that. And then there are some more like, just directly like kind of, you know, sometimes these are considered covert, but I just personally believe that they're still overt forms of racism. But things like, you know, getting denied capital or loans um, from lending institutions, um, or maybe having a difficult time working with a service provider, um, simply due to race. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of barriers um, in terms of farming and even even things like time. Um, you know, like for myself, I'd, I'd love to be a farmer one day. Um, and I also have to keep working if I ever want to afford a farm. And like throughout all of this time that I'm working, I'm like, wait, when do I actually like learn how to start the process of finding a farm and, you know, affording a farm? There's certainly a lot of farm services in the state of Vermont. And I think what's really unique about what Relief is working on is that we are the foremost organization who is really focusing our you know, farming support and entrepreneurial support specifically on BIPOC, specifically for BIPOC folks. So um, yeah, there are a lot of you know, really great service provision programs happening across the state. And yes, definitely in Northern Vermont, um, and what's really key about the work that we're doing is that we're making sure that all of our supports and services are really tailored to BIPOC, um, you know, with support from someone who is knowledgeable about the experience um, and, you know, from that firsthand perspective of lived experience. So I guess kind of related to that, you've got on uh, your website, the core priority is creating a network, an affinity platform for BIPOC to thrive around land, environment, agriculture, and foodways. 
um, what does this network mean for your members and what does it provide for them? Um, so our network is everything. Like there would be no Vermont Relief Collective without our members um, and our members make up our network. Um, and I would even just go a step farther to say part of our you know, mission in Core Valleys is really focusing on um, you know, building power in our community. And so our people are power. And the more that folks connect through this network, it just builds more power in the community through this platform that we have. And so currently we have 200 members from all across the state. Um, members come from 13 out of 14 counties. So if there are any BIPOC folks who are up in Essex County and would like to join the community, we would love to have you, um, you know, when you're ready to join. Um, but we have this really amazing network from all across the state, which has been so incredible to watch just grow and flourish. And so currently, you know, we've seen, so currently we exist on, we have an email list. And so this is kind of like the, like the most constant way that we're existing and members have to connect with each other. So through the email list, we have folks who are, you know, sharing questions and, you know, starting discussions around, um, uh, you know, like, uh, what does the term BIPOC mean to you? Or sharing resources like, hey, I just found this grant or I just found this um, program that I'm really curious about. Does anyone have any um, experience with this program? Or I had a really great time in this program, like you all should check it out. Um, or even folks who are just sharing, um, you know, different products or saying, hey, you know, we didn't use our chicken coop this year. Um, we're selling it at a discount to relief members. Um, or, uh, you know, we are selling our wood stove and we'd love for someone in the community to, um, you know, take it. And so it's just been really cool to see the different, uh, you know, kind of like connections that people have made, whether it's through, you know, products or resources. But I think what has been the most powerful is really just that social connection. Um, so oftentimes folks have joined the community um, and they have said, um, you know, I'm, I'm just here looking for a connection. I don't need help starting a farm. Um, I'm not looking for a new recipe. I, um, you know, am not really trying to go hiking. I just want connection. Um, and then seeing some of the relationships and connections and projects and like entire other organizations that have formed out of the Relief Network has been really incredible. Our flagship event is called our Community Dinner and Conversations. And so those are, they started off on Zoom um, and we've been doing them since September, 2020. Um, and so these are basically what we think of as like virtual potlucks. So we have them once a month um, and folks will, you know, come to the, the quote unquote Zoom table and, you know, bring a dinner with them. And in this space, it's really just kind of like a casual, informal time that members can come together and, you know, get to know each other, share different resources, or maybe make some requests. So we have a time called range time that members can you know, make requests of each other or share an offering. And so what that request might be is something like, hey, I'm, you know, back on the job market after 10 years and was hoping for someone to read my resume or, hey, I'm looking for help on my farm uh, for a day and I'll provide, you know, a small stipend and lunch. 
um, or an offering could be something like, hey, you know, we have a bunch of gleaned apples left over from this year. Um, they're not beautiful, but, you know, if someone wants to take them, please do. Um, or maybe I need to practice my photography skills and wondering if anyone was interested in being a guinea pig for headshots. Um, so that's kind of a key area of this, like, you know, we kind of have that in an ongoing fashion through our email list, but through our, um, through our Grange time, that's always kind of a more like face-to-face, -face, you know, in Zoom format um, of how this exists. And then uh, finally, for these virtual community dinners, we have time where we discuss a topic that's related to one of the four focus areas, but it's broad enough that anyone, no matter their background, can participate. Um, so, you know, it might be something like what, um, you know, what grew for you this year? Um, what's an area that you really grew in? So it could be someone saying like, I grew really good onions this year, or it could be something like I grew an interest in fishing or I <laughs> grew more patient. <laughs> so it can look like a lot of things, um, but we try to keep it broad enough knowing that there's a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences um, in our community. So after, um, you know, numbers in the pandemic started decreasing a lot this past summer um, and vaccines were rolling out, we were like, okay, we feel more comfortable now gathering in person. And so this summer we started doing in-person community dinners, um, which have been kind of similar, but a little bit less of a structured format, given that it's, you know, kind of this fluid space and, you know, we're not all sharing the same Zoom room. Um, so we were able to convene all across the state this summer for our in-person community dinners, where we were able to have food from different BIPOC vendors and food um, you know, businesses and just share space with our community members um, and integrating in different activities and you know, recreational opportunities. So um, through those, those are really beautiful to kind of like share space in different folks' communities um, around the state. And really it's just so incredible to see these relationships that have been blooming, you know, over the email list, over Zoom, and see them come to life um, really on the ground because, you know, our first, the first letter of the, you know, the first of the four focus areas is land. And so having this connection with land and having connection with land and other folks' communities, it's really key for our community. Let's, let's, uh, let's go, let's talk a little more about amplifying voices. Um, who are a few examples of folks in the agricultural or food business world uh, that, that you think um, should have their work more elevated? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you circled back to amplifying voices. So one thing that I think is so important to lift up about the work of Vermont Relief Collective is that while we are, you know, this, this container, this, this platform for our community, um, we're not a monolith. And so it's really important that we strike the balance between, you know, having this space where BIPOC voices and, um, you know, voices and experiences of our community can be heard and affirmed and amplified. And at the same time, we don't want to, you know, we want to make sure that folks understand like this one voice is not the story for the whole community and that there are so many unique voices and stories and experiences in the community. 
So when we think about amplification, um, part of you know part of one of the key reasons of of relief existing is to recognize that BIPOC folks in the state of Vermont are not as recognized as we should be for our contributions around land, environment, agriculture, and food. And so, you know, that looks oftentimes um, in kind of our amplification um, through our Instagram, you'll often see like businesses or projects. Um, and we got to a point where we said, okay, like we wanna be lifting up these different like businesses and, you know, our peer organizations and a lot of us as individuals who aren't tied to a business or organization um, and, you know, just have a, a really interesting story need to be heard too. And so I would say it's kind of like a, a both and. So I think it's really key to be lifting up a lot of these incredible BIPOC businesses who exist in our community and in our state. Um, and it's also important that we're hearing from folks who, you know, might not be connected to a business or an organization. Um, you know, who might not be, um, you know, constantly, uh, you know, having a platform anyway. Um, so I think it's really important that that amplification shows up in, you know, recognizing folks of like, it's really exciting that, you know, folks, BIPOC folks are here in the first place um, and doing really amazing work um, in the spaces of land, environment, agriculture, and food. Um, so I don't know, I feel like this is a easy answer, but truly all members have really incredible stories um, that if they want to, I think the world should hear it. So you're, you're doing some work with Vermont uh, Relief Collective to, to uh, use your social media presence and your, um, your kind of network to, to elevate um, stories that have been, let's say, under-celebrated in the Vermont narrative. Um, aside from that, the, the work that you're specifically doing for that, like, what do you, this is maybe a bigger kind of conversation, like a big state kind of conversation. What, what can be done to like better balance, um, better balance this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's, it's kind of reframing. Yeah. I think it's kind of reframing this idea of, yeah, I, you know, speaking from the state perspective, reframing the idea of who is a Vermonter. Um, and I feel like when I first came to Vermont um, to study at UVM, you know, a Vermonter is someone who is, you know, seven generations, and I feel like it's creeping up to eight now. <laughs> um, and so keeping that in mind of like, like that is, in my opinion, false. Um, and I think a Vermonter is someone who, you know, lives here and, you know, takes space. Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, definitely reframing the idea of like, you know, who is a quote unquote typical Vermonter because it's all of us. There is no one typical Vermonter. Um, and then kind of honing in on these four focus areas, you know, just reframing the the visual and the idea of who is a farmer. If you Google, you know, Vermont farmer, BIPOC folks aren't, you know, taking up the whole screen of pictures. Um, but recognizing like we are here, there are BIPOC folks who are farming, there are BIPOC folks who are, you know, owning food businesses, who are on the hiking trails, who are sailing on the lake. Um, and so making sure that like, our, you know, we are here, we are present, um, we are doing things. And so, you know, making sure that folks are across the state are aware of that and respect that as well. 
here, uh, can you describe how, how do you how do you how do you relate to your food ways? Like, what's your I guess experience with that? What are your What are your thoughts on your food ways? Yeah. Well, so yeah, this is a good question. Um, so I grew up in New Jersey, and um, I grew up in a very small suburb. Um, it's a primarily Italian town, um, and I guess Irish too. Um, well, Italian and American, Italian American and Irish American. Um, not too many folks who recently, you know, came to this country from there. Um, but yeah, so I grew up uh, identifying as a pizza snob. Um, but more than that, um, my dad's family is from the Dominican Republic, and so I, you know, being in the tri-state area, it was pretty easy to access a lot of some of the staple foods um, and, you know, some of, I would say, when I say staple foods, I really mean the seasonings. <laughs> um, and so there are just some, you know, key foods up here, like um, I would say uh, fried cheese, uh, which is a pretty key ingredient in um, this delicious dish called mangu, which is um, mashed up uh, green bananas. Um, and then you have it with some fried cheese that you can just cut a slice of cheese. It's kind of like, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it, um, but it's like a, there's this other kind of cheese that's called like a grilling cheese. Um, and so it's similar to that. Um, but yeah, that's something that I like seldom find up here. Um, I also really love madurals, um, which are sweet bananas, um, sweet plantains. And it's often pretty hard to find um, really good bananas for madurals up here. Um, so yeah, I think I think that there are um, some foods that are really key to my food ways um, in my food culture, such as you know trying to eat a more plant-based diet. And um, so I often will substitute nutritional yeast for cheese to make like a vegan mac and cheese. And so I feel like that's everywhere because we have so many kind of like natural, quote unquote, natural food stores. Um, but then there are other foods that are really key to, you know, my, my family and my um, cultural upbringing that it's just a little bit harder to find. Um, even something like Presidente beer, um, which is, you know, one of the um, main beers in the Dominican Republic. Um, uh, my, um, you know, it's generally not a beer that you find up here and want to give a shout out to Maria from Cafe Mama Juana, who I hope that uh, she's able to bring it um, to Burlington, bring Presidente beer to Burlington uh, to sell in her shop sometime. Awesome. <laughs> um, and, and who have been some of your inspirations, either like in your in the work you do uh, or you want to do or your passions or your life? Just, yeah. Who, who are some inspirations to you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I definitely have to start by shouting out Farin Paris Meyer, who is the owner and CEO of All Heart Inspirations. Um, I met Farin when I was an orientation leader after my uh, first year of college at UVM. Um, and Farin, I think of her as like kind of like my first boss. And she truly just showed what it means to lead authentically and kind of lead from the heart. Um, and also in terms of just like how relief is structured. Um, Farine is the first person who I learned about in affinity space from. So having a space for folks of color to convene and kind of share their experiences, share how they're feeling. And so I really just often think of Farine in terms of an inspiration um, for the community and 
you know, as a leader. Um, and she's doing really, really, really incredible work with her business, all her inspirations, and is truly a leader in the community as well in terms of, you know, how she runs her business, how she, um, you know, shows up and creates these beautiful spaces uh, truly from the heart um, and shares those with others. So it's it's really no question why people keep coming back to her business. Um, and I would encourage folks listening to check her out too. Um, and on top of that, in addition to these beautiful heartfelt spaces that she cultivates, she also makes really, really incredible food that is inspired by um, by her ancestry um, in Haiti. What do you want folks to know about the work uh, you're doing with Vermont Relief Collective? Yeah, absolutely. So again, just affirming like we are here, um, we take up space and we are doing really incredible things as a BIPOC community, as multiple BIPOC communities around the state um, in relation to land, environment, agriculture, and food. Um, and so, you know, next time you're thinking of, even just in terms of like how you think of these different focus areas, like don't forget that there are black farmers, don't forget that there are Latinx hikers, um, and, you know, more than that, definitely supporting and seeking out businesses that are owned by and run by folks of color as well. Um, they're bringing a lot of flavor and, um, you know, new ideas and perspectives to these spaces across Vermont. Um, for example, I think of Calabash Gardens uh, in the Upper Valley. They are growing saffron, really incredible saffron at that. Um, and, you know, making it accessible for the Vermont community. Like I never thought that I would, you know, purchase saffron, but, you know, now I can think of like, oh, cool. Like my family can make a risotto made with, you know, local to me, uh, saffron um, for the holidays. So, yeah, I would just say recognizing and amplifying the fact that we're here because, you know, certainly that's something that Relief is working on is continuing to amplify voices and it's going to take a community effort to further amplify us as well. What do you want BIPOC Vermonters to know about the work you're doing with Relief Collective? Well, I think one of the really exciting things about Relief is that we are really focused on being a community that is by and for our community. And so I think the exciting thing about our collective, which I've not really seen in other spaces, is that it's truly member led. So, you know, we have this organizing team of, you know, eight folks. Um, and so we are responsible for coordinating a lot of the work that happens through the collective. And there's also a lot of opportunity for members to get engaged and lead initiatives as well. So whether a member wants to see one specific meeting or see like a certain topic discussed, they can raise that with the organizing squad and more so if they wanted to, they can lead that meeting as well and we can pay them for it. Members also are invited to lead workshops and share about their talent or their experience or their skills, um, get paid for that as well. And so truly so many of our initiatives through the collective have really been raised by members and inspired by members. And so true, the, the way that we will continue to be a sustainable and member-driven organization is hearing from our community members about what they want to see and how they want to see it happen. Uh, and oftentimes that looks like 
having these initiatives really led by members. There are BIPOC folks here with skills and experience and leadership in these spaces. And so I'm, you know, we're kind of seeing this wave where there's a lot of different organizations who are like, oh, we want to hire BIPOC folks for these like entry level positions. And it's like, okay, well, what about your leadership roles? Um, which are having people who are, you know, sitting in these seats and kind of like hoarding power essentially uh, for years and years and, and decades. And, um, you know, there are some folks in our community who are like, you know, we kind of just want to stick in spaces that are for us, by us. And there are other members of our community who are like, we're ready to lead, move out the way. Um, oh, and I would also add paying folks well for that. Um, in, you know, I think just in general, but also um, in the state of Vermont, it seems like our community is often asked to do this work or this work, to, like work of advancing equity and justice often falls on BIPOC community members uh, in an uncompensated way. So it's really, really important to pay BIPOC community members um, if you want them to be in the space. And if you truly want to equitably engage folks of color you have to pay us. So I think definitely sharing space and making room for new perspectives as well as new leadership is really important uh, in terms of transforming the food system to being a more equitable and just space. Our connections with the land, our environment, agriculture, and our foodways are deep in Vermont and deeply tied to quality of life for all Vermonters. Though many of these decisions regarding our connections with these things happen in white spaces. And the stories that are shared of leaders in these fields have been pretty whitewashed for a long time. But all of that is shifting, and networks of BIPOC farmers, environmentalists, and food sovereignty advocates like the folks of Vermont Relief Collective are amplifying the voices of folks that have a lot to contribute to the future of Vermont's foodways and land use while also creating space for folks that break the mold of who a farmer can be in Vermont. This episode was produced by Stephen Abatel. Special thanks to Tina Pease, Olivia Pena, and Vermont Relief Collective. To learn more, check out Vermont Relief Collective at www.vtreliefcollective.org. You can find Tina Pease on Instagram at vermontfoodphoto. Our musical themes are by the Salt Ash Serenaders. We are a project of the Vermont Farmers Food Center and SAGE. Thank you all for listening and for being a part of our local food system. We'll catch you next time on Root Words.